Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Saturday, September 3rd, 2022. Do you know that many English expressions or idioms and phrases that we use uh, even today in uh, throughout our culture uh, actually come from the Bible? And one of those expressions is to take up the mantle, which means to take on somebody's responsibilities or their their passions, their their dreams, to kind of take the the torch from them, so to speak, and to carry it on. I'm going to take up the mantle of the work or the passions or the dreams of someone else and, and make them my own. That expression comes from the Bible, and it comes from what we will read today in 2 Kings 1 through 3. And as we begin this section, we will see Elijah, but by the end of this section, Elijah will be gone and we'll see Elisha taking up the mantle in his place. Chapter one, we see the sad end of the son of Ahab, Ahaziah, he falls through the lattice in his upper chamber and is sick, and he's going to inquire of this false god, and Elijah meets the messengers under the direction of God and says, what in the world are you doing? Why are you going to this false god? Is there no god in Israel? He's not going to recover. And the king wants to uh, hear this from Elijah himself, apparently. So he sends men out to Elijah, uh, a captain of 50 men with his 50 men. And the first one goes up and Elijah says, if I'm a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. And fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50 men. That is, uh, I mean, almost the same thing that happened on the top of Mount Carmel. That is an amazing and dramatic event. And so another captain comes and the same thing happens. So you can really understand the third captain as he approaches and how he comes and falls on his knees before Elijah and says, oh man of God, please let my life and the life of these 50 servants of yours be precious in your sight. You know, he pleads with him and God instructs Elijah to respond and he goes down and he tells the king the same message. You are not going to make it. You have abandoned God and you are going to die. And so he he dies. But then the next chapter, uh, it tells us the story of Elijah being taken up into heaven. And you probably know how that happened. It's with this chariot of fire that comes and, and takes him up to heaven. And I want us to focus some on the figure of Elisha here as he takes up the mantle, so to speak, of Elijah. And we'll see where that comes from. But notice at the beginning, um, it says the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind and Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah says to Elisha, stay here for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel, which apparently was near this place, Gilgal, which there's multiple places it seems referred to with that word, Um, but they were probably somewhere near Bethel. Uh, But multiple times, Elijah says, hey, why don't you stay here? And Elisha says, no, I want 
to keep going. I want to keep going uh, with you. And what, what, what's going on there? It's very possible that Elijah uh, perhaps didn't want Elisha to experience the pain of seeing his departure. Elijah knows he's about to to go. And and while he, he is not going to die in the traditional sense, he's, he, he's going to basically have the same effects of being dead because he is not going to be here anymore. He is leaving this life. And as we all know from experience, when, when someone that we love leaves this life, we experience sorrow. Perhaps uh, Elijah was wishing to spare Elisha that um, that sorrow, but but, but Elisha keeps going, and it doesn't fully explain why. I think we'll see that there was a sense of him longing for something, and instead of just being afraid or being sad, he really seeks to carry on what Elijah did, and that's something I want us to learn from the figure of Elisha as we read today. And even it seems that somehow this is known because the sons of the prophets, apparently this was a group that was being trained up. Um, in this way, they know that God's going to take Elijah away. And, and Elisha says, hey, stop, stop talking about it. But Elisha presses on and goes with Elijah, even as uh, Elijah, Elijah takes his cloak and, and strikes the, the Jordan River and it parts and the two of them cross. So a replication of the miracles of the parting of the Red Sea or the parting of the Jordan when the Israelites come into the promised land. And then when they cross, Elijah asks Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. Now, this in some ways reminds me of... um of the prayer of, of Solomon, where, hey, what do you want? And there is a good request. Solomon asked for wisdom, and, and Elisha seeks um, seeks this double portion of Elijah's spirit. And I think that shows a good desire in Elisha, that he truly wants to carry on what Elijah has done. And in this moment, that is what he is seeking. It's not his sorrow for losing Elijah. It's not his fear of, oh, what's the future going to look like now that Elijah is gone? It's this desire. No, I want to keep doing what you uh, have done. And Elijah says to him, you have asked a hard thing. Now, what does that mean? Is that a hard thing for God to do? That that doesn't seem likely. Nothing is hard or too hard for God. I think he's highlighting, hey, Elisha, there's going to be some burdens that come with that that you may not realize. This is a hard thing. And then he says, basically, if you see me taken from you, uh, it shall be so. And as it happens, and as they go along, these, these chariots of fire and horses of fire separate the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha sees it and cries, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen and chariots and horses. Those were images of power. And I think it is a good thing to note that the real power in Israel that time, even in these couple chapters that we've seen, was not in the kings. It was not in the military leaders. The real power in Israel was in the prophets of God. And so he does see uh, 
Elijah go. So that means his request has been granted. And then in verse 13, and he took up the cloak of Elijah. He took up the mantle of Elijah. And then he goes and he parts the river just like Elijah did. And he starts doing miracles like Elijah. So he took up the mantle. And I think even in this passage, we we see what that expression means, where it's more than just what he literally did by picking up this piece of clothing. It was no, he was carrying on the mission. He was carrying on the work of Elijah. And then we see him doing some miracles. One of those interesting miracles is in verse 23, where he goes up to Bethel and boys come out and mock him saying, go up, you bald head, go up, you bald head. And it seems that they're mocking Elisha here in a couple ways. The go up is maybe mocking the reports. Oh, sure. Yeah, right. Whatever. Elijah went up into heaven in a whirlwind. And then they're also mocking Elisha's physical appearance that he apparently does not have hair on his head. He's a bald man. And so they are mocking him. Go up, you bald head. And he curses them in the name of the Lord. And two she bears come out of the woods and tore 42 of the boys. And what's interesting is just like uh, Elijah, when he comes on the scene, he says, hey, it's not going to rain. And if you read the law, you see God said if they went after idols, it wasn't going to rain. Well, here uh, you think, man, that that's harsh. Well, did you know that it says in the book of Leviticus in, in chapter 26, it talks about how, hey, if you uh, disobey, if you don't do what you are supposed to do, uh, wild animals are going to bereave you of your children. And here we see that happening. So it's not that Elisha is necessarily just conjuring things out of nowhere. No, he is, uh, again, really leaning on the law of the Lord and what it said it would happen in uh, as a consequence of disobedience. And then in chapter three, we see Elisha consulting the kings of Israel and of Judah. And here again, we see Jehoshaphat associating with and allying himself with the wicked kings of Israel, which was not good, but I guess it did have some benefit to them because even Elisha basically says, I wouldn't even be here if it weren't for Jehoshaphat, because that is who God really is wanting to protect in this situation. So we see that in chapter three. But as we think about taking up the mantle, I want us to turn to the New Testament now where we'll read Romans chapter 10. And today I want all of us to be challenged by that image of taking up the mantle. So we see Elisha taking up uh, the mantle from uh, Elijah. And I want us to think about who are we taking up the mantle from? And I want us to think for one thing, we want to take up the mantle of the apostle Paul and the heart that he had. Yes. Yesterday we looked at the, uh, just all that he says in Romans nine, we see the sovereignty of God and the mercy of God in salvation, but we also see Paul's hunger and his heart for people to get saved. And that's what we see as chapter 10 begins, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. He wants his fellow Jewish people to be saved. And he wants them to know that uh, righteousness is not going to come through the law, Uh, but it's going to come through Christ. As it says in verse four, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes and becoming 
saved. It's not about ascending into heaven to bring Christ down or descending into the abyss to bring Christ up. No, it is near us because if you confess, as it says in verse 9, with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Or as it says in verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I want people to know this salvation that is right there, available to them because of what Christ did. But often the barrier is people haven't haven't heard. It says in verse 14, how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to he, how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And that's where we need to feel the weight of that today. We need to feel the challenge of that, that how are your neighbors, your coworkers, people in your community going to hear the gospel uh, unless someone is sent and why not you for some of those people. So we need to take up the mantle of the apostle Paul and we need to take up that, that heart that he has. And we need to look maybe at some godly examples in our own lives. Find someone that you say, man, I, I see this person being faithful to share the gospel and make yourself an Elisha to them. I want to help them. I want to learn from them and I want to take up that mantle and share the good news of Jesus Christ. So let's take what we see in in the scriptures today in Elijah and Elisha and Paul, and let's pray, God, would you give me a double portion of that desire to see people saved? And God, I want to take up the mantle of that cause of sharing the gospel, and I want to see people turn from their sin, put their faith in Christ with a full confidence that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.